Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building, and also in the Village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building, right across the street from Winkies. We're also servicing clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit our website at ellenbecker.com for more details. If we have any listeners that have listened to the show in the past, you might recognize the guests that we have today. And in a moment, I'm going to welcome Vivian Sai, and she is the board chairwoman of the College Savings Foundation. But when we were talking about what our topic should be and what are people thinking about and talking about, college planning is a huge conversation for many of us. And we know last year was anything but normal and boring and COVID-19 impacted our lives and changed the world. You know, we as adults can quickly reflect on the cost of COVID-19, both in lives and financial aspects. But as we'll hear today, COVID also impacted our children in so many ways. Think about their lives and how they've changed with virtual learning, the cancellation of sports and dances, And COVID has also impacted college planning for families and children. So today during the show, I want to address that and have a great conversation. And at this point, I'm going to welcome Vivian Sai. Again, she's the board chairwoman of the College Savings Foundation. And welcome, Vivian. Thank you, Jean. Thanks for having me again. You know, um, last time you had an opportunity to talk with Karen Ellenbecker, and you shared some of the um, personal stories with your son, who is going through this journey. Give us an update on uh, where he is and um, how his life was changed due to COVID. Absolutely. Well, it has been quite the year. Um, my son, just for some background for your listeners, is a college student and was impacted like many of the thousands of students around the country um, right around March of last year when all of a sudden his university shut down and he moved home uh, with a mandate that everything moved on to the virtual world. Um, Since then, there were, I will say from a personal standpoint, um, having him home and in his bedroom studying has been a wonderful thing as a parent. I love being around my children. I'm not so sure that he agreed. um, And his university had not been very familiar with teaching uh, remotely. So I would say that for a semester, he himself felt like his education was lacking. And certainly that fed into his decision in the fall to take the term off. He actually decided that it was better time spent going out and getting a job and working rather than trying to figure out how to learn virtually from his professors. 
it was an interesting time for him. I will say it gave him great time to reflect on what he wanted out of his college experience. It allowed him to go back and return to his studies back in January when he was still studying virtually, but I think he had come to terms with the value he was getting out of the education and how he might reapply himself. But certainly it's been a year of real self reflection on priorities, on education, on college in general. So you being and working in this industry uh, on a day-to-day basis, was your son's experience typical of what you heard from other families as you interacted with them? I would say it's quite typical. Um, Certainly, there are so many changes going on in this virtual world. And as the College Savings Foundation, we do an annual study of young people. Um, We actually focus it on high schoolers, so high school sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And last week, we released our findings from this study, which indicated that my son was really not alone. There are a lot of very a lot of young people who are taking a real hard look at what their education plans should and could look like um, in this post-COVID world. So when you look at it through the parents' eyes and the cost of college uh, is getting uh, more expensive every year. And as this went to more of an online remote learning, you know, what were the parents' comments that you heard, or how did this impact what they saw as the value of the schooling? Well, that is an interesting um, question, and one I myself went through as a parent. Um, Certainly, when he returned home in March and finished out the term um, virtually, I saved money on his housing. Um, I will say that that was very exciting, Uh, when Congress made it easier to return funds to my 529 plan account because I did get a a refund from his dorm. But, you know, it certainly made the conversations amongst parents focus on the value of college. That said, those same parents talking to their children, I think, understood that The college experience, the traditional college experience, still seemed to have a lot of weight with their students. And so um, those parents who I spoke with who had students in private schools or in schools across the country, I didn't find too many parents um, who I personally spoke to who decided to yank their kids home. That said... I think there is a lot of conversation. You see it in the media around the the value of college. And I think it's borne out in some of the responses we see in our annual youth survey that we conducted that more parents and students are having the conversations about what future college decisions will look like. So while it might not have necessarily resulted in students who are currently college students transitioning away from what they're currently enrolled in. What we see among young younger students, the high schoolers, is a real focus on 
whether their educational or post-secondary goals can be met with non-traditional apprenticeships, um, community college, and then transferring into a public school or certification programs, ways that are not necessarily um, things that we saw in prior year surveys. We've seen, I think, more than half of our survey respondents came back this year saying they're not gonna choose a traditional college. They are looking at taking a community college path or a gap year path or a technology school path. And while these are things that we did see in last year's survey, I think one third of last year's student surveys, respondents came back with a, yeah, we're gonna look at non-traditional. We see that nearly doubling uh, in this year's findings. So I do think that the younger generation is, is really taking a mind shift approach to what, what high school, post high school education looks like. You know, it's interesting that we're talking about this because I've, uh, I'm not 22 years old. And so back in the day when I was a high school senior, it was a conversation that was had with all of us, but it wasn't what it is today with these high school seniors taking these AP classes and all the pressure and the transition and hunting out colleges and touring colleges, you know, that has really evolved, I'd say, over the last 15 to 20 years. So when you look at people now looking at certificate programs, technical trades, community college, and then transferring to a four-year degree, you know, what's driving that? It can't all be COVID-19. Is it the cost? Is it is it our industry and the jobs that are out there? What is this huge transition? Because I even see it with my clients. And now high schools are getting back to offering trade school, offering it to the point where it's now a requirement for girls and boys to do different trade courses. What's driving this? Well, I do think that there is an element of um, demand driven by employers. Um, that over the course of, of the last several years, I think I've seen or noticed a pickup in articles about hard skills. I think that hard skills are things like programming or mathematics or working with one's hands in construction and design. And some of those skills um, don't actually require a four-year degree. And so if someone can come out of college or come out of their post high school education with some sort of credential that allows them to start a career, then do they really need a bachelor of arts degree or a bachelor of science degree? You know, it's just a matter of the choices have become so much more available to these students and the success that that the students are seeing out there of people who don't have that traditional background I think is is also becoming a lot more um, well known so I think that it's a terrific trend in a way because more and more of us reading about student debt and how your typical college graduate I think in 2020 was graduating with something like $28,000 in student debt. 
if that's something that they can avoid, then certainly it's something to look at. You know, I work in the world of college savings. So my organization, CSF, we advocate for saving now so you don't have to borrow later using 529 plans. And so what we've worked really hard for in the last several years is making sure that 529 plans are not just available for four-year college bachelor's degrees and master's degrees and you know traditional universities, but making sure that they are inclusive and available to apply to vocational studies, apprenticeship studies, and technical schools. And while they've always been used in that way, not too many people had known about it. So we're talking about it more. So that might be the shortest answer to your question. (laughs) And my mother was an elementary school teacher and she would remind her students that not everybody in this room talent requires a four-year degree, nor is every student in her classroom made to actually go through that journey. So my mom was real big on everybody finding their talent and doing something they were passionate about versus following somebody's expectations. So, all right, we're going to take a little break here. When we come back, we're going to learn a little bit more about 529 plans, and we're going to continue this conversation. With that, let's take a break, and we'll be back shortly. Welcome back. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And today we are blessed to have Vivian Sai, who's the board chairwoman of the College Savings Foundation. And we're going to continue our conversation now in our first segment. We use this term 529 plan. And I just want to take a step back and explain what is a 529 plan? How can it be used and what are the benefits? And so what a better person to ask than an expert on the topic. So Vivian, for our listeners today, share a little bit, what is a 529 plan and how are families using that? Absolutely. Well, 529 plans, that unattractive name um, can be related back to the section of the IRS code. Um, And so I will start with that's why we have what are called education savings plans, also named 529 plans. They're tax-advantaged accounts for families to put money away for future higher ed, post-secondary, or what I'll call post-high school expenses. I also refer to them as lifelong education accounts because I myself, can have a 529 plan for my use when I take my uh, Spanish class at my local community college, because it's been on my bucket list to move past level one in Spanish. And so I recently have applied my own 529 plan towards my Spanish studies at my local community college. So I'm going to interrupt because you mentioned right away, it's a tax advantage account. So anybody who's listening is thinking, great, a tax advantage account. What do you mean by tax advantage? Thank you for saying that. A tax advantage account is an account similar to what you see in your, your, um, your Roth 
IRA or retirement accounts. It's an account into which you can put money and it will grow over time. Say you invested in an S&P 500 fund and it grows over time and is not taxed inside that account. And at the end of 18 years, when your child is heading off to college, that S&P 500 fund will have grown to a dollar amount out of which you can withdraw the funds absolutely tax-free to pay for your child's college or educational savings purposes. That's what I mean by tax advantage funds. That is amazing. So when we say expenses, so are we talking room and board or books, computers? They're qualified expenses. So you can't withdraw money to take your spring break to the islands, but anything that pertains to room and board, college, tuition, computers, would that be an applicable expense? Yes, it would. Um, You can actually, you cannot buy alcohol, but you can buy food. Okay. You cannot buy a car. You cannot pay for your airline tickets to and from the college across the country, but you can buy a computer, a laptop, any equipment that you are using in the pursuit of that education. Now with the SECURE Act passage of 2019, apprenticeship programs got added to the list of qualified higher ed institutions. And so say if one were in a registered apprenticeship program and needed the tools and equipment in order to pursue that study, that would also be a qualified expense. So let's even take it back to the the very start. Um, So let's assume I had a child, a baby, and I wanted to start this 529 plan. I'm not the only one who can contribute to it. Grandparents can establish account an account in my child's name as well, correct? If I started an account in my child's name and the grandparents do, does there have to be communication between us? Are there limits on how much we can contribute or how does that work out? No, there are no limits. In fact, many families have two 529 plans, one owned by the parents and one owned by the grandparents. For simplicity's sake, I know most grandparents don't like the idea of having to manage that. So what you typically find is many grandparents will just write the check to the parents to put into their own account. And many 529 plans have a feature where you can do this all electronically. So you can have a first birthday, for example, and set up a social media or evite um, invitation to all your family members. And in that evite, you can provide a link back to your child's 529 plan account in lieu of, I don't know, puzzles or books or Legos, which I appreciated myself. But I understand after the first birthday or even the, the fifth birthday, you don't really need anything for your child in those areas and perhaps it's more beneficial for you to receive a um, a monetary gift into their 529 plan. So as we're digging into the nuts and bolts of 529 plans, what happens if I accumulate this bucket of wealth for college expenses or technical 
a trade or an apprentice, and let's say my child decides not to pursue any post high school education and wants to pursue a career through employment, what happens to this account? Well, the account is the account owner or the parent or the guardian who owns the account can simply switch beneficiaries so that your child might have a sibling, might have a cousin, a stepsister who might be able to use those expenses for themselves. The other thing you could do is maybe that child is not going to school now, but it's possible that 10 years from now, they might choose to pursue education. So there is no expiration date on the funds in a 529 plan. They can go on for perpetuity. Other flexible benefits of a 529 plan are not only can you change beneficiaries, like I just mentioned, you can keep it in perpetuity for the student's future, but you can also decide to take it back to yourself. If you'd like to withdraw it, you will just pay any taxes and penalty on any earnings in the account, but any principal for obvious reasons will not be taxed or penalized. So they are flexible in that you're not penalized. They don't work like some of the UGMA or UTMA um, accounts that are sometimes used with young people where this is a completed gift to a child that can never be taken back to the account owner. Um, This particular 529 plans really keep the control of the the funds in the parent or the owner's name. And that's good to point out the difference between an UGMA account and a 529. So when we refer to an UGMA account, which is a uniform gift to minors account, When that child attains the age of majority, they have control of those funds, whether you want them to have control or not. For a 529 account, you still have control over that. And again, what we've pointed out is if the child does not go to school for some odd reason, the contributions are tax-free, penalty-free. It's the earnings, which will have a penalty, and I think it's a 10%, and the earnings are treated as ordinary income. So One other nuts and bolts question before we um, take a little break here. Let's assume this child decides not to go to school. I could keep the account where I'm the controlling owner. In the event that child would get married and have a grandchild, I could transfer the beneficiary to that person as well, correct? Yes, absolutely. And you do find that, I mean, 529 plans are now been, been around now for about 22 or 23 years. And you are starting to see parents of children have been the recipients of 529 plans. And now they're saying, well, I've got extra funds. I'm not going to use it. I'm going to switch it to my own child now. So that works really well. It's a legacy gift. It is a legacy. And again, and we use the example of investing this in an S&P 500 investment or something that's appropriate for the client. These accounts can grow and can be used for generations to come. So we're going to take a short break. Uh, When we come back, we'll continue this conversation with Vivian Tsai, and we're going to learn more about 529 plans. With that, let's take a short break. (music) 
Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. And we have had a great conversation with Vivian Sai, who's the board chairwoman of College Savings Foundation. And I thought during this segment, we talk about those high school years. So, you know, every year, whether it be freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior year, if you're thinking about post high school education, and again, that could be a community college, a trade school, apprentice, or college, there's things that we should be thinking of. And so I thought it might benefit the audience if we kind of go through and say, all right, let's assume my child is a freshman. And, you know, sometimes people think freshman year doesn't really count, but in, in, in essence, it does. It's, it's starting the foundation and the framework for those grades and those credits and kind of a direction of where that child may go. So I thought I'd get a little idea from you. If we have any listeners um, today that have children in high school, as a freshman, what should they be thinking of? Well, that's a fair question, especially in um, given that quite a bit of the traditional focus of a freshman in high school had been studying for the PSAT and um, studying for a future of test-taking and um, with decisions made by the university, some rather large university systems across the country to not look at them and, and make that permanently part of their approach. I know the University of California system has removed um, ACT and SAT from their evaluation of all students. They've forbidden um, test results. So for some students who don't like taking tests, that might be a real breather. But what I'd like to encourage parents to do is to make sure that um, whatever decision they make, which is to choose to not take a test, I think that education and grades are going to continue relevance. So it only actually probably puts more onus on the student to do really quite well academically in the classroom if there are no test evaluations that are going to help boost that student's performance. Maybe that makes freshman year even more important, I guess, is where I would go with this. Um, I've had many conversations in in my free time. I do help um, my friends who have rising high schoolers. Um, I help their students kind of go through the the college prep process. And it is a tough go if their grades haven't been consistent throughout, if they're going that four-year university um, uh, path, if they don't have the, the ancillary test results, they need to have very strong academic classroom performance. It's the freshman classes that are going to have to build into the sophomore classes, where exactly. that's your starting to get that area of focus. Exactly, right? And so you know, um, starting to look in sophomore year into um, programs. I know that that my own children did look at the community college path into a university, a four-year university system, simply because of the expense, and I asked them to. You know, many 
community college system uh, programs have a transitional uh, pass where you can sign up at your local university with the intent of graduating uh, with your two-year degree and transferring right into a, a large state university system. I'm in California. The University of California does this. You could sign up at my local community college and maintain strong grades for two years and be guaranteed a spot at UC Davis, one of the premier universities in the state. So these are the kinds of years that you can spend researching the different types of paths to a post-high school educational life. And coincidentally, Wisconsin, too, has many community colleges that have a transition program that does lead to a four-year um, institution. And you're right, with the costs, it saves a little money. And, you know, some kids aren't ready for that full college experience. Absolutely. Or um, they have other situations going on in their personal life where they want to take it step by step by step. So again, when you think about college planning, it should be designed around your child and, you know, there's expertise areas as well as the areas in life that um, they may need to take a little slower. So it's a great option. And we're finding more and more of our clients are looking into that just due to the costs. And it also gives the child an opportunity to really focus in on the area that they want to um, pursue a career in, where sometimes as a, if you were to go to MSOE, which is our private engineering school, I think as a freshman, you, you have to indicate what area of engineering you want to focus in on, where oftentimes people don't know. So I, I did not know I wanted to be a financial planner when I was in college. It morphed into that over careers and employers. So I always think there's so much pressure on our children to make these big decisions when they're 18 years old. Exactly. And that's why starting early is really helpful for them because it will, and, and maybe even deciding to go the community college route will actually give them a better high school experience, allowing them to experiment, to take different classes instead of taking the single route of classes that is going to get them to UW or something. Um, right. So I, I do think that um, it really benefits uh, when you start early and start kind of thinking laterally about what to study. So a uh, uh, high schooler's junior year is a big year for them. When you think of post high school education, what should parents be thinking of if they have a child who's a junior in high school or a senior? Well, from my own experience with my children, junior year is the toughest year of the high school, um, of those high school years. And I think from, from a parental standpoint, um, just understanding how much stress there is because of all of the noise around college and performance and success that they may or may not feel part of. I know it is the year... My, my son decided, probably not in the best spirit of, um, of judgment, uh, to pursue four AP classes and an honors class. And um, by the middle of his junior year, he was not happy. I had to engage a counselor, um, just really more of a therapist, 
to help wean him of the stress of having signed up for an overburdening himself. And I think that if you can come in and just tell your kids, no matter what you do, things are going to be okay. That's going to be the best advice I can give. There is so much pressure on our kids today, you know, and so much has changed from when I was in high school. And obviously that was many, many moons ago, but um, even sports, it's very competitive. And how you ask your girlfriend to prom is competitive now. It has to be a presentation and um, social media creates some of this. So so much has changed. And obviously there's some pros and cons to everything. And I think the pressure is huge on this generation. We're going to take our brief break. Uh, When we get back, we're going to continue this conversation. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Jean Range, Senior Wealth Advisor at Ellen Becker Investment Group. We have had a great conversation around 529 plans and college planning. And I wanted to spend some time in this last segment talking about um, the challenges that our kids are facing. And as we listen to the news or read any articles, there's a lot of negativity around the online er- learning, the social distancing And studies are really starting to show that kids are facing this uncertain future, whether it be in their day-to-day life at college, as well as um, their careers. And I thought it'd be good to talk about what we as parents can do to offer them um, some solutions. And I think, you know, when we talk about COVID, think of all the families that now have family dinners. You know, you mentioned your son was back home and that brought back some, you know, happiness and joy in your life because your children are around you. You know, back in my day, when you did a sport, you took the late bus home. And so you ate dinner and then you did homework. Now it's completely changed. There is no late school bus taking you home. You're on a competitive sports. You're not eating dinner. You're rushing to a field or a court and, you know, all these, these stresses, but let's kind of circle back a little bit and talk about the uncertainty that these kids are facing. And again, what we as parents can do. And I think we're all liking these family dinners again, and nobody wants to give them up. Absolutely. I will preface this by saying there's more information on the College Savings Foundation website, um, but I will talk to the survey studies um, from our youth survey that told us that 80% of our students saw their high school experience completely go sideways. 60% of our survey participants feel like their ability to socialize, their ability to be academically prepared for their future has been impacted. So To the extent that we as parents can help alleviate some of that by weaning ourselves of our our need to be um, hovering over them, you know, in in these early months, um, perhaps of them having getting uh, vaccine shots, um, giving them a little more freedom to socialize and giving them their their feelings of um, normalcy again. I think will help them transition 
you know, providing the stability of and support for their decisions around their future educational choices. I, I can share, I have a friend who um, had specific dreams for her um, daughter and had the 529 plan funded and saved. And, and um, in the last year, her daughter decided she's just not ready to go. And certainly with the backdrop of COVID um, being out there, that certainly played a role. But being able to take a breath and say, mom, dad, this isn't your life. This is your junior's life. This is something that while it's terrific to have those savings, very possible that her daughter is going to go back and use all of it um, in another five or six years. Right now, maybe it's not the time. And so being able to, as a parent, understand that. I, I've done a little bit of that myself with my own son. And, you know, knowing that I remember very vividly having a conversation when he was in high school saying, I don't want you to take more than five years for college and you have only one opportunity to change majors. <laughs> I mean, I, I remember like having all of those rules and though he hasn't changed majors, my guess is he's on the five and a half year path for college. And, and we have to be okay with that because right now there are so many things that they are contending with. They're contending with everything we are and they're contending with being a young person, social media, high school peer pressure, all of the above. Right, because now in our neighborhood, if you were to take a walk with your dog, you're going to see everybody's college flag hanging outside their door on where their child accepted uh, or got accepted and is pursuing a, a degree. And so you're right, even we as parents put so much pressure on ourselves. And I mean, there's social media right there as you walk through, you know, these neighborhoods and you see the great successes and you take that pressure on. And I commend that child for being able to have an honest conversation with their parents to say, you know what, I'm not ready. I don't know what I want instead of just doing it. And mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about the five-year program, I worked my entire college years, even during the time when I took um, classes. So I was on the five-year plan because even though my parents paid for everything, I worked. I was always um, at a, a job. So when I hear parents, you know, pushing the four-year plan, I gained so many skills that when I was a college graduate, I knew how to handle phones, clients, the pressure, you know, all that where somebody who didn't have that opportunity to work didn't have that skill set. So it was just kind of um, interesting how everybody got their talents and their tools from different resources. And so I always commend people that try and work through college. And I was very blessed. My mother was a teacher, saw the value in education. And um, she, she had four children. She was a teacher and she wanted one of her three daughters. We had three girls and a boy to be a teacher. And none of us pursued that. And I always say I am a teacher because you I'm teaching teacher. my clients. It's just uh, my audience is uh, different than hers. And uh, my associate, Sandy, will say that's the teacher in Jean when I work with clients because I'm all about education. This Excellent. has been a great conversation. Vivian, share, you've referred to different studies and results. 
Is there a website our listeners can go to to seek out some more information on what we've talked about today? Exactly. Absolutely. The College Savings Foundation is um, located at collegesavingsfoundation.org. And on that website, we have all of our survey information, but we also have a helpful link to if you're interested in opening a 529 plan, how do you do it? And we'll show you a link to actually open one. So you can find a lot there. So collegesavingsfoundation.org. Perfect. All right. With that, again, thank you for joining us. Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from 12 to 1. If you liked today's show and want to learn more, please visit www.ellenbecker.com or give us a call at 262 691-3200. As always, I hope I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Be well.